both our campuses. I want to say hello to Maple Grove. And, you know, this week I was just thinking about connection in the context of the Minnesota State Fair. And uh, we went there as a staff on Thursday, and people were, I mean, it was hundreds of thousands of people everywhere on top of each other all eating. And, uh, and uh, I, you know, Sweet Martha's chocolate chip cookies and the French fries and the endless bottomless milk um, and the supply of milk that's available and then just people on top of people. And I'm seeing farm equipment I never see in any other part of my life. I'm seeing all kinds of uh, gadgets that I've never seen before, but I'm connecting with people I wouldn't in any other circumstance. When it comes to our church, my desire is that we be connected, that you not just be in the crowd, but that you know somebody or somebody knows you. And in our faith journey, it's really a big deal. As we dive into part two of our series, Hashtag Winning, I want to remind you that when it comes to your personal journey of faith, you and I are in a journey where it requires our attention and a focus on God's word and what he says it t- takes to win. Because when it comes to people's lives and success stories. Often what we see is the success, but we don't understand like an iceberg where 90% of the iceberg is under the water. There's more to our story, more to a success story than just what we see. And in our journey of chasing down what God has called us to be individually and as a church, I want to challenge you to consider utilizing the tools that are available. Just this morning, I'm going to mention a couple things. One, how many of you have your paper Bibles? Let me see them. Anybody? Earlier this year, I started a movement that began and, and fizzled out, I think, uh, on restoring the paper Bible. How many of your electronic Bibles? Let me see those. Okay, those are in the air, too. If you're using an electronic Bible or not, uh, we uh, have something offered here at Emmanuel you might not know about. Um, if you have the Version app, Version offers a live broadcast option where our sermon notes are on there every Sunday. And you can follow along with the notes as I preach. It's actually on there. And you can catch that from both of our campuses. The second thing is I want you to consider taking notes today. As I challenged you last week, uh, take out the memo pad function on your phone or grab the offering envelope in front of you in the back of it and flip it over um, and take notes. And I want you to take a moment so that you remember what's talked about later on because we aren't just hearers of the word, the scriptures. We want to become doers of the word. Can I get an amen? Well, I established a foundation last week where there's a definition for what success is. Biblical success is fulfilling God's vision in his timing for his purposes. Fulfilling God's vision in his timing for his purposes. And God will begin to develop vision in us, and it often will start with a dissatisfaction. Something that we look at in our life where we're not satisfied, we're bothered by it, or bothered by something in the community around us, or bothered by it at work or in our families. Many people, they make the mistake of being dissatisfied, and all they verbalize is the dissatisfaction. They become grumpy people who just are complaining all the time. But winners do something different. They see in the problem vision, opportunity, and God births in us a burden that really is a clue to the vision that perhaps he's putting inside of you. Maybe you are looking at yourself and you want to improve your physical body and the health aspects of it, and you're dissatisfied with what you see when you look in the mirror or when you step on the scale. Well, maybe that dissatisfaction is an opportunity to have a vision of something changing in your life. I'm not prophesying. I'm just saying that could happen, right? 
But it could also be with your spiritual journey and in your walk with God. Maybe you want to have a, a stronger faith where you actually can talk to God and feel like you're hearing from him. Maybe you want to improve your relationships and if you're married, uh, your marriage relationship or as a parent with your children or with coworkers or friends that are around you. But you're like, uh, you're dissatisfied with that area of your life. Maybe that's an opportunity for God to birth vision in your soul for something different to happen. As a church, when we look at the cities and the schools that are around our, our campuses, we look at the needs in the community around us. And we can't just sit there and complain and point the finger, look down our nose at the things that we don't like or we see that are problems. But maybe God is birthing in us the very vision that it would take to restore the land that's around us. Amen. Maybe God wants the church to be a part of the solution rather than the complaining, whining, Facebook posting type of people that so many people see. Maybe we can be the people that lift the tide instead of those that cast water on somebody else's fire. Can I get an amen? I'm about to preach up on you just because I'm not getting any response, so I figure I just might as well just preach. And if you are starting in one place and you're moving to another place and your dream is over there, you have to evaluate where you are right at the moment and like a mall directory, look at where you are and then chart your path to where you need to go. And in that journey, you might have a path, but faith isn't believing that you want to go there. Faith is taking a step in that direction. Faith is actually moving toward your vision, toward your dream. We have a young mom who is a part of our Maple Grove campus, and Kelly Black has a growing vision in her heart to go beyond her comfort zone and connect her life to something bigger than she is. This summer, she did something crazier than she could have ever imagined. I want you to check out Kelly's story of what she did this past summer. Hi, my name is Kelly Black, and I've been a part of the Manuel family since 2009. I'm married to my husband, Andrew, and we have two kids, Jordan and Hannah. And this summer I had the opportunity to go on a running tour with Venture Expeditions. Venture partners with uh, many different organizations that are doing amazing things regarding justice. Whether it's fighting human trafficking or working with communities within countries where there are food shortages. And the Colorado tour that I was a part of was a running tour. And there was 24 of us from all over the country. We started at the Wyoming-Colorado border and ran all the way across to New Mexico within 10 days. Collectively, we ran just shy of 400 miles across the state of Colorado. I personally ran um, 102.4, because <laughs> that point four matters. It's nothing, it's like nothing I've ever done before. It's been such a privilege to have the opportunity to, to be a venture participant, to be a venture runner, because in that, I've had the opportunity to take the freedom that I've experienced and that I've found through the miles to be able to bring hope and freedom to others. I personally set a goal of raising $3,000 and our team collectively raised well over $50,000 for uh, providing meals to refugees as well as education programs, um, discipleship, so that uh, not only could there be food to meet physical uh, tangible needs, but that meals represented a tangible hope as the gospel was shared alongside. It was so great to be a part of uh, this running tour with all of my teammates who are now around the country. And I know 
without a doubt that each mile that we ran um, as a team individually impacted eternity. Uh, every step, every mile that we took made a difference. Isn't that cool? I'm really proud of Kelly as she had a vision that developed in her heart. And obviously, there's more to that iceberg than what we're seeing in that moment. There's a story beneath it. She had a burden. She began to prepare for that and train. And of course, she ran the 102.4 miles. Gulp. That would be pretty tough. But she did it. And she didn't just see the dream and give a small effort. She actually pursued her dream. She prepared to hashtag win. She prepared to move towards that dream. And there was action that took place. And really that action is the difference between trying and training. Many people just try to get somewhere. And as soon as they fail one day or something doesn't work out, they stop because they were just trying. But people who train actually prepare for a vision. I would say as the body of believers, a Christian, a Christ follower, we are called to follow Jesus and to be in training. We're disciples following him. Trying to do something alone won't change it. Just trying to eliminate debt or trying to just read or pray or trying to love your spouse more is different when you're in training because you have a picture of what you're working towards we are to work towards something, even those that are in school. Right now, as school starts off again in the fall, people who are training and preparing and have a mindset of preparation are the ones that get the good grades, not just those that wish they did. Amen? And so there's a process of development. They go through a training process. In the recent Olympics, Simone Biles, who won four gold and one bronze medal in the gymnastics competition, she was asked a question afterwards about how did she keep everything straight? Because she did so many different events, and in her floor routine, she had a number of different moves that she had to make in order to accomplish what she needed to do. And, and they were asked, how do you keep it all straight in your head? And this is what she said. By making it routine before I step onto the floor. By the time I get to the floor to perform, it's all second nature and automatic. I'm not really thinking about each aspect. I'm just out there and enjoying myself. Isn't that good? What she's saying is she trained so much that when it came time to compete, that it was second nature. She had prepared herself to win. That's what I'm talking about today. As we move into the second part of our, our series, and today's title is Training to Win. Turn to the person next to you and say, you need to train to win. So what does training do? Training does this. It creates winning habits that help a person succeed in the moment of competition. Not just athletically, but students do that. People that are professionals and they accumulate success in the professional arena. They actually are disciplined with their habits and their training prepares them to succeed. Writers and artists and financially acute people, all of them invest time when and where no one else looks or sees them, exercising habits of their body and their mind, spirit to train their gifts and energies to acting in winning ways. I want us to go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 as we were in it last week and to recall the language that Paul had as he was talking to the church in Corinth who was becoming more like Jesus 
And he uses Olympic language. He literally uses language of the Olympic Games when he's speaking to the church in Corinth. In verse 24, don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. And that's where we ended last week. Move on to verse 27. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Now this is an interesting phrase because he says the body is meant to do something, but it re requires training and discipline to do what it should be doing. Did you know that we don't need discipline if we're going to remain the same as we already are? The reality is you already have habits and discipline that got you to where you are right now. And if you repeat the behaviors, the patterns, the habits that you currently have, you can expect to be exactly where you are today one year from today or worse. Hello. But if it comes to an athletic training, Paul is saying, you have to discipline your body to do what is possible with your body. Did you know that there's more possibilities wrapped up in the person sitting next to you than they could ever imagine? There is potential, there is powder keg kind of vision that God has wrapped up in our souls if we are to discipline ourselves to accomplish what he created us to do. Turn to the person next to you and say, there's more possible in you. <laughs> Your current disciplines got you here and they will keep you here. But if you have a vision for where God wants to, you, you to go and a vision where he's put you in your heart for many different things, then it, that vision will stay in the garage without discipline. It'll stay in the garage without training. It won't go anywhere. Some people don't even care. They don't even want to change. I was reading a book this past week by a guy named Tom Rayner, who's a church leadership uh, guru. He's written a number of books, and he's just sharing a personal story in one little chapter about his father, who was a lifelong smoker. And when he hit 60 years old, he went to the doctor, and uh, the doctor took x-rays, and he had scarring on his lungs. And the doctor said, listen, people like you, who have the habits that you have, can expect one of two things next, either emphysema or cancer. And he said, the good news is you don't have either of those things right now. And if you stop smoking, if you discipline yourself, train yourself, you have the possibility of extending the length of your life. You may never get emphysema and you may never get cancer. But Tom said, my father refused to quit smoking and he ended up dying. And the reality is, even though there's the opportunities that are out there to be different, many people choose to go undisciplined, untrained, and, and want to stay where they are. In other words, even if the dream is good, we don't want to change the behaviors that it takes to get to the dream. The truth is not everyone wants to change. In fact, some people hear the voice of discipline and they resist it. They think that the coach or the pastor that's talking to them or the teacher or the boss is just trying to use me because I don't want to change. Aren't I good enough the way I am? 
you don't really love me. That's a good one that teenagers say to their parents. I don't want to mow the lawn. I don't want to change. You're making me hurt, and I don't want to hurt. But what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing and expecting different results. God intervenes, and he begins to say, no, I'm not going to let you stay unchanged. I want you to move forward towards the dreams that I have for you, for your soul. And that vision will require change in your habits. Turn to the person next to you and say, you might need to change. <laughs> you see, we have to leave the past. We have to leave the way we see things. And I have a question for you that you can write down. This is one to answer even later. Do your habits fit your vision? Do your habits fit your vision? See, our disciplines are habits that prepare us for our vision. If we say we want to be something, if we say we want to be a soul winner, if we say we want to love people, if we say we want to be a good spouse or we want to be a good employee or a good student, do our habits back that up? Friends, we need to talk, dress, and prepare for our vision, not for our memories. In other words, we need to begin to think about the possibility of who we want to be. King David taught that story to us. You know, God anointed David because he was faithful with sheep out in the field. And because he was faithful with what he had, God could trust that shepherd with the flock with the nation. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And many of us, we don't want to change the way we behave. We want to change the way we look, whether or not we shower or whether or not we dress right or whether or not we, we save money like we ought to. We don't want to take care of what we already have, but we want the dream. Are you hearing me? And if you want the dream, you know, I used to tell students when I was a youth pastor, you want that girl and she's a princess. You'll never get that girl until you become a prince. Hello. And so you start acting like what she needs to be. Be the change before the change happens is what I'm telling you. Disciplined people make decisions based on their vision. Hebrews 12, 11, no discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It is painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. See, vision-oriented people acknowledge it's painful. It hurts. Kelly had to go through a lot of stuff. But they're willing to go through it for the vision that is ahead of them. Now, I grew up, I was an athlete, and, you know, I can recall the times when I was in high school and I was playing football and I could eat two or three Big Macs, a couple pizzas, and never gain a pound. And then I got married. <laughs> and my metabolism went into a whole nother gear, if you know what I'm talking about. And uh, that and chocolate chip cookies and other things that Jody's really good at making. And so um, I, I was a youth pastor, and as, as our family grew and, and as our ministry grew, so did I. <laughs> and as I was growing, I didn't even realize it. And they say, you know, there's a relationship between stress and how your body functions. So when you're in high stress, it's almost impossible to lose weight for some people. Other people, it's impossible to gain weight. I'm on the other side of the spectrum. 
And, uh, and so I gained and gained and gained and gained. And finally, I'm like, I am tired of this. I don't know what to do. And I had all these things in my head that um, were lies that needed to be broken because I wasn't thinking like a winner in this aspect of my life. And so I went to one of our youth leaders and uh, Ryan, and Ryan Mayotta was uh, finishing his doctoral training, medical. He did chiropractic as well as medical side, physical training for athletes. And I just said, help me out, Ryan. So he came and he tested my body, my blood pressure, and, and looked at, um, had me get on a scale and all that kind of thing. And then he gave me a plan. And that plan, he said, if you stick to this plan over the next six months every day, you will experience good weight loss, not deep, fast, but I had to do 1,750 calories a day, 100 ounces of water, a vegetable every day. I took vitamins. And once I reached my calorie limit, I was done. And so if I stuck to the plan, that new discipline, I would actually do well. Now, I ended up actually sticking to the plan, but I had to face down my thinking wasn't living that way. You see, I had other patterns when I would stop at SA for gas, and the donuts were back there. Come on, somebody. I know I'm not the only one in the house. I'll just go through the drive-thru, and I'm not going to get a meal. I'm just going to get a French fry, and I'll get a Diet Coke, because somehow that balances things out in the force. Or I'm going to eat healthy, and I'm going to get a muffin. Because my mom said that muffins were healthy, brand muffins when I was young. They keep you regular or something. And, <laughs> but the kind of muffins I chose were chocolate chip muffins with frosting on top. That wasn't too healthy, if you know what I'm talking about. So in order to counteract my bad thinking, I had to establish disciplines where I had to say no. And I had a vision in mind of where I wanted to be. Now, eventually, I, I lost a lot of weight. And I have discovered that over time, as you age, it takes even more effort the older you get. Can I get an amen for those of you that are up there in age? You know what I'm talking about. Bobby Knight said this, the will to prepare to win is greater than the will or the desire to win. In other words, we got to have effort and a vision for what we do every day if we're ever going to accomplish the ultimate goal of winning. First Timothy 4.8 says this, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. I want you to take your Bibles if you have them, because I want you to circle a few things in Romans chapter 6. Just go there if you can, because I want you to visit this passage a little bit later. It's worth reading later on this week. But it says this, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer, circle the word offer, yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. For sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law but under grace. This is interesting language, isn't it? But Paul is simply saying that if you give in, this other master will take you where you've already been. But if you offer yourself to God, and he, in a sense, becomes your trainer, 
Now you have the opportunity to leave behind those things which are in your past and pursue the dreams that God has for you. And friends, I'm not just talking about physical weight type of things. I'm talking about the quality of your family, of your relationships, of the ability that you have to make a significant investment and sacrifice in the lives of people around you. But selfishness overcomes you sometimes. Selfishness overrules it. And so Paul is simply saying in Romans, if you offer yourself to God, you have the ability to cut the strings to your sinful nature and your desires. For sin shall no longer be your master. You're going to have to change some things if you're going to follow him and you're going to offer yourself to God. You're going to have to change habits in order to help you get to your goals. Kelly talked about the changes that she had to make in order for her to run 102.4 miles through Colorado this summer. I want you to check out what she had to change. If someone were to ask me, how do you run 100 miles? My response would be one mile at a time. <laughs> you know, I, I started off just running in college just for the heck of it, nothing glamorous, just to do it. And then I did some 5Ks for fun. I did my first half marathon. And I thought, well, I, I trained for that. Might as well do a full marathon since I'm there. And at that point, I realized I, I needed to make some changes. I had to uh, adjust the things that I ate, uh, my schedule, what those things look like in order to be able to run a marathon. Most people don't wake up and say, I'm gonna run a marathon today, because uh, it hurts. And not only physically, but I've learned over the course of the handful of marathons that I've run, it's more about your mental game than your physical body. The mental discipline really comes when you go beyond your comfort zone. It, it wasn't at the five mile mark or even the seven mile mark. It was where I started pushing out and doing the 10, the 15, the 20 mile training runs that would take you know four or five hours on a Saturday morning. It was the getting up out of bed on a Saturday morning and knowing that my family was gonna be doing something without me for half of the day and having to be okay with that because I committed to this and that it was part of the sacrifice of what I signed up to do. I came across a quote that said, everything you've ever wanted to learn about you, yourself, you can learn in 26.2 miles. And I found truth in that, where um, if you've ever run a marathon or talked to someone who has, you often hear about hitting the wall. And that's between miles 17 and 20. And, and throughout this process of training for the tour and going on the tour, I've had the opportunity to hit my own walls. Uh, emotionally, spiritually, and it's been challenging to work through, but so good. What I've learned through um, pushing past hitting the wall or getting to a place where I didn't think I could go any further, I always surprised myself that I always had a few more miles in me or I could go further than I thought I could. And not just in my running, but in my life. It was worth it. Every morning getting up at 5.30 to get my miles in before I had to go to work or before getting the kids ready out the door. Every conversation sharing over and over and over um, what I was doing uh, so that others could capture the heart and be a part of the story. Every wave of emotion that had hit me over this last year was worth it. People ask me, you know, would you do it again? In a heartbeat, I would do it again. It brings me so much joy that I know that I can do something that I love, like running, uh, to make a difference. How about that? <laughs> Kelly. So it's amazing. We, 
We started and we saw the above uh, iceberg moment. She just gave us what was underneath the service. She, she had to discipline herself. She had to get up at 5 a.m. and go run before work. She had to plan with her family. She had to say no to some things and yes to others. And let me just suggest today that you and I have two categories of spiritual disciplines that we need to have if we're going to accomplish our dreams you might be thinking about the future here in this fall. What's going to be different for you as a student as you go into the fall? You might be thinking about your spiritual journey or your relationships or perhaps your, your professional world. If you're going to grow, you're going to have to do these two areas. The first one is this, things we stop doing or we say no to. What are the things that we need to stop doing or we say no to? You know, things that prevent us from, from doing what's important, stuff in the scripture, that we deny ourselves so that we can move towards vision. So in the scripture, there's practices like fasting and prayer. Uh, there, there's there's uh, fasting meaning not eating something so that you can hear from God, or fasting media so that you can hear from God. But then there's also things like the Sabbath, not doing certain things on the Sabbath, so that, everybody said so that, so that you could hear God. Psalm 46 verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. It's a great verse because it essentially says, be still. Everybody said, be still. Now it's, now I can know that he's God. But let's be honest. We live in a busy world. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands here, but if I asked how many of you are busy people, almost every hand in the room would go up. It's going to take work to hear from God, to spend time, and to receive the strength that he offers. And you have to create that space by saying no to something. Vince Lombardi said, winning is a habit, so is losing. But if you want to break a losing habit, you're going to have to say no to something that you're consistently doing right now. I don't know what those things are. It could be um, social media. It could be TV. It could be busyness. Anything that gets our attention. And this is what I want you to answer. What do you know you need to stop? What is the thing in you you know you need to stop? What is that thing in your professional life, in your relationships, maybe in regard to your spending habits and, and how it relates to to debt and things that you shouldn't be buying and, and you're, you're um, trying to get too many things before it's time and racking up the credit bills. Maybe it's other things. What are the things you need to stop? Maybe it's sin that you know you need to stop. A few moments of intentional, regular time with God in silence and solitude will save our spiritual lives. How? Because that's where we will see the winning you. That's where you will see the winning you. You might forget that you're called a son or a daughter of God. You might forget that you are called an overcomer. You might forget that you can do all things through Christ who gives him strength unless you pause and you listen to the strength that God would offer you, things that you say no to. The second area of discipline is the things we say yes to. And I'll call this disciplines of engagement, things that we need to connect to. Like Kelly said yes to nutrition and running at 5 a.m., consistently. There are things that she incorporated that she began to say yes. So there are things that you need to develop that are winning habits where you can rewrite the script of your mind. In other words, you might have what I had when I hadn't uh, gone through that plan that Ryan Maeta had laid out for me to lose weight. 
might have had the lies in your head, but if you want to overcome those lies, you have to replace it with the truth. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul says it this way. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. In other words, you have to change the way you think. And the patterns and the disciplines that you institute help change the way you think. Perhaps you need to establish an actual prayer, confession, worship, Bible reading time. Can you do it 10 minutes a day or 15 minutes a day? If you haven't seen the movie War Room, it's a great movie to watch. But they created a prayer closet and just put post-it notes on the wall to pray for, for the needs in, in her life. You and I can do certain things where we actually prepare and discipline ourselves. If you say yes to God at the beginning of the day, you have an opportunity for him to join the rest of your day. But if you wait too long and you get in the middle of drowning and now it's a rescue prayer, you might be missing out on a whole bunch of winning attitudes that God could provide for your life. Can I get an amen? But then there's other aspects that you, you could chase a spiritual mentor, somebody that's further along in an area of, your, of their life than you are. Why not chase those people? Or you can get involved in serving or volunteering or taking a missions trip. Or maybe you can invest in godly relationships. You know, I've said over and over again that friendships are like elevators. They can take you up or take you down. But if you want the kind of relationships that are going to take you up, maybe you need to invest in a godly relationship. And, uh, you know, I've talked, spent a lot of time here talking about Redwood Faith. But uh, Redwood Faith is nothing more than what the Redwood Forest is out on the West Coast in California. These great trees that are hundreds of feet tall and the root system only goes about 8 to 10 feet deep. And if you take the winds that are coming off the left coast, the west coast, and they come in, you take those winds, you'd think that those, those storms would take out the forest, but they don't. And the way that the redwood forest stays strong is that the root systems are interconnected to each other. And it's really the strength of every tree that holds the entire forest together. That's why we're spending time talking about our connect groups and our fearless series this fall. Friends, I'm telling you, it is absolutely vital for us to be connected. As a pastor, my desire is that people that attend Emmanuel on both of our campuses, that you be connected to other believers. Why? Because it brings strength to win in your life. In fact, I'm challenging everybody um, in here to, to spend time preparing for that. Um, we're going to take four weeks, beginning at the end of September. We're a fearless group, and I'm asking you to either join a group or host a group or lead a group and jump in one. You're like, if your first answer to me is no, I'm too busy, then you have a spiritual problem. That is a spiritual problem. If you are saying no to things that bring you to the winning side in your own spiritual health, you have a problem. There's some things you need to say no to, and there's something you need to say yes to. Man, I feel like I just stepped on everybody's toes. So let me ask the question, what do you need to say yes to? What do you need to say yes to? Do you need to be present with your family? Push past that wall? Do you need to put the social media down and Listen to the stories of the people that are closest to you. Stay home and be present. Do you need to agree to tackle debt instead of spending? Or maybe saying yes to taking the risk of trusting God with the tithe, which means that God has permission to influence the rest of your money. <laughs> maybe you need to, if you're looking at your career, you have a desire to go somewhere in your journey 
with your career. Maybe you need to enroll in school or technical training that would get you where you need to go. Perhaps you need to say yes to inviting your neighbors over for a meal so that you can establish relationships that one day will lead to them coming to faith in Jesus Christ. And let me just throw this one in. You know what all of us need to say yes to? We need to chase a winner. The first winner we chase is Jesus Christ, amen? He's the ultimate. But every person that Jesus ever called, he said this. He said, leave your nets, leave what you're doing, and come and follow me. There's a cost to it. You need to look in your life and recognize where are the people that are winning. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage. You need to chase a marriage that's a little further down the tracks than you, and they're winning. And say, can we take you out for coffee? Just get to know you and pick your brain. Maybe you're one of those people that wants to get married. And you're like, I don't know how to break out of the cycle that I'm in. You might only find somebody that's been a single adult and in a story and they found someone. Or they made it. Maybe they are a single adult right now and they're content and happy. And you want to know how it is that they're still content and happy. And you can learn from them. Maybe you want to be a good student at school. Listen to me, students. Middle school, high school, college students. Maybe you want to get good grades. But all the people that you're hanging with are losers when it comes to grades. Honestly, maybe you need to chase a winner. Maybe you need to chase somebody that's further down the tracks than you instead of expecting different results this year. Practice like they practice. Live like they live. In closing, and our worship teams can come on both campuses, there's something that, uh, that I taught my football teams, my basketball teams that I used to coach. And I miss coaching. Many of those students are actually graduated from high school now. Some of them are playing in college. But I used to teach them as they would get on our team that practice mattered. And so I had a phrase that I taught them that they will now spit back to me years later. The phrase is simply this. You do what you have to do so that you can do what you want to do. And when it comes to winning, we wanted to win on the playing field, but we needed to practice and do what we had to do so that we could do what we want to do. You and I need to do that. We need to do what we have to do so that we can do what we really want to do. Today, I want you to take out a piece of paper or on your phone, and I want every person under the sound of my voice to write something down. There's two things. What is one thing that you know, one thing you know, you need to say yes to? One thing you know, God's speaking to you about. And by the way, I'm not talking about everything. If you try to do everything, you'll get overwhelmed and not do anything. But just pick one thing you know you need to say yes to. And then I want you to write one thing that you know you need to say no to. One thing you know you need to say no to. Now, I want to challenge you to do something now that you got that. Take your phone out. Take your phone out. Everybody get your phone. You're like, pastor's telling me to use my phone in church? Yes. Everybody grab your phone. I want you to text somebody that would hold you accountable or is a winner. And I want you to text them what you just wrote. One thing you're going to say yes. One thing you know you need to say no to. Come on, take it out. Text them right now real time. They're going to go, what is this? You might have to have a follow-up conversation later on. Listen, it becomes real. We actually take a step into our faith journey 
when we actually verbalize it to someone else. And if you share it with someone else, now you have an obligation to actually take a step in that direction. Before we go to prayer today, I want to read from Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, it won't be on the screen. I just want to, I want to read it to you. Remember in Romans, it says, offer yourselves to God. I don't want to be a church where we're just trying to say no to sin and yes to good things. There's enough people out there that are religious, right, good do-gooders do that nobody wants to be around. We do things because we're in training to pursue God's purposes for our life. This is what Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. By the way, we all deal with some of those things because we've had other trainers, okay? This is in verse 22, but, everybody said but. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Friends, if we let the Holy Spirit guide us, and we're, our starting point isn't trying by willpower to stop doing things and by willpower to start new things, but we start with God. I open myself to you. The Spirit of God has permission to begin to develop self-control inside of us. Loving kindness instead of the other patterns that maybe we inherited from our parents who fought with each other all the time. Loving kindness and, and it will come out of us instead of the things that are in the culture around us. Perhaps the Spirit of God will produce His fruit in and through our lives. Would you stand on both of our campuses?